0: Thank you for tuning in to Trevor Talks Podcast, where we talk to real people about real topics and real stories. Today, we have the privilege of hearing from a two-time number one national bestselling author, financial expert, and the host of The Rachel Cruz Show. She has authored several bestsellers, including Love Your Life, Not Theirs, and Smart Money, Smart Kids, in which she co-wrote with her father, Dave Ramsey. And of course, her latest book, know yourself, know your money, discover why you handle money the way you do and what to do about it. Along with all of these accolades, she is also a mother, wife, sister, and a normal person just like you and I. So with all that being said, here is Miss Rachel Cruz. Rachel, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: Of course. I have wanted to have you on the show for quite a while, but I was like, oh, we're going to wait until things pick up a little bit if they did. And God made it happen. So here we are. And so this is a bucket list episode for me. I grew up on Ramsey Solutions products. I remember reading um, the book that you and your dad wrote. And then also you had a college finance course that I took as well. I finished Financial Peace University three times by the age of 18.
1: Oh my gosh, and you're like deep in
0: it. I'm deep in it. I feel like I'm a part of the Ramsey bunch, but you should um, be.
1: Basically, you are. <laughs>
0: with y'all's curriculum, I purchased my first home at 19. Um, and God set me up on a different path. So the all the solutions that you guys offer actually work, and that's why I was like, I want to have Rachel on the show like before any kind of Dave Ramsey or anything like that, we got to have Rachel. And with that being said, I want to dive into what makes you so unique um, with growing up in the Ramsey household, but also what makes you Rachel Cruz. So can we dive into your story a little bit and hear about how you became the amazing woman you are today?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I applaud you on all the hard work. I mean, we can we can teach it all day long, but it's people that actually go out and do it. That's yeah. you see the success. So congrats to you. It's awesome. Thank you. Well, yeah, so my story kind of actually starts out a little bit of the pivotal part of it is when I was born and I was born the year my parents filed for bankruptcy. And so that's a big part of my dad's story of him and my mom, both on this journey of figuring out how money works, which has led him over three decades to be Dave Ramsey, who he is today. What he teaches is a lot came out of that pain. And I was born right in the middle of it. So I was born in April as they were crashing financially and they finally signed the papers for bankruptcy in September of that year. And so I really was born into this, right? Born into this bigger story. And, and for me, money growing up, you know, mom and dad, I always applaud them because they did such a great job, even though this is my dad's career and all he knew and was passionate about, had a heart for They never made it the center of every conversation. I always joke with people because I'm like, everyone thinks that we had mutual funds birthday parties and like budget (laughs) camps every summer. And that was not the case, thankfully. Uh, But they were just great at intentionally teaching us how money works. And those really simple conversations were intentional, but yet so transformative. Because when I went to college is when I realized, wow, people don't know how to handle their money. Like their parents didn't talk to them about it. And so in that essence, it was kind of, weird, you know, of how I grew up, but, um, but so thankful for that. And so, and in the meantime, throughout high school is when I started traveling and speaking with my dad at our big live events we would do back then. Um, and it was always just so fun and I enjoyed it really early on. And then when I went to college is I kind of, you know, detached from all of the Ramsey stuff because I was like, I just want to be a college student. You know, I did young life and ministry there where I met my husband. I was in a sorority and, just kind of lived the college life. But always in the back of my mind, hearing people when money was brought up, my ears kind of always perked up and I never pushed anything on anyone. But just hearing the questions, hearing the situations from these 19, 20 year olds who I knew were making decisions that were going to affect them for the next decade or two of their life. And they could start off on such a better foot financially, but they didn't know. They didn't know signing up for credit cards was dangerous. They figured they have to have a student loan to go to college, you know, all of this stuff. And so in college, is I feel like where my heart really opened up to this message specifically. So, when I graduated from college, I remember sitting down with mom and dad right before, uh, probably six months before gra- graduation, and I was like, "This is what I want to do. I want to travel." And at the time, I said, "I just want to speak to high school students, college students, and kind of get that preventative side out there." And so, um, that's what I did for years. Um, was really helping parents with their kids when it comes to money and high school students and college students, but naturally um it's been 11 years since i've been doing all of this but you know i i was married have three kids now so my message has kind of grown with me with where i am now in life which has been fun too now i get to speak um to everyone of all of all ages um but specifically to help people get in control of their money and so yeah the joke around here is kind of that that dad is everyone's like you know hard uncle that like gives you the truth it's like uncle dave and I'm your friend. I'm like, I will lock arms with you because I'm walking this journey too, figuring it out. And um, so that's kind of been my approach. It's a little bit different than my dad's. Uh, but it's but it's great. And, and I have such a heart for this message and where I'm at. So yeah, that's kind of the story, the long story of, yeah. of what's brought me here today.
0: I love that so much. And it's, it's almost like when you think of a uh, father and daughter working together, it's like, oh, she just went into the family business, but you actually went out, you did Young Life, figured out who you were, and then you were like, hey, I'm actually really interested in pursuing this as a career. And it didn't start with New York Times bestsellers at that point. It was just you being in college. You were speaking in high school, which is awesome. It's amazing. But um, I also love the fact that you say you're the preventative. When it, I was... Um, getting ready for this interview i saw a youtube video of you and your dad and he's like going off on this rant and then you're like well at the rachel cruise show we would say it this way <laughs> and i was like come on like it i just find it super amazing that you were born into a family that was going into bankruptcy the year that you were born and you were able to the family was able to bounce back and you learned from that and to really just talk about your new book know yourself know your money I love that you broke everything down into four classrooms, which at first I was like, honestly, a little confused. Like, what is a money classroom? And then as I dove deeper into the book, you have the anxious classroom, the unstable classroom, unaware and the secure money classroom, which are all a little bit bigger than they may seem. It's what people grew up learning about money. Um, so can you break those down a little bit and explain what your thoughts are when it comes into these four classrooms?
1: Yes. Well, so much of your money journey of where you are today with money has a lot of different kind of like sectors, right? So it's everything from your your fears, your dreams, your personality, your tendencies with money. But a big part of why you see money the way you do today is how you grew up. And so going back to your childhood to kind of look at that picture to say, OK, my story, I love that you use that word so much because it's true. I'm like, what was my money story growing up? What did my household, how did they handle Uh, money and so I've realized that money is communicated in two ways in a household it's communicated verbally so what we literally communicate what we say out loud but it's also communicated emotionally and there's a level of emotion that money brings in a household and you and you knew growing up if it was more stressful or calm but basically these two ways of communicating about money as I was writing the book I was like oh It's a quadrant, you know, I was like, God gave me a graph and I'm so happy about it. This is great. It makes so much sense. Um, So yeah, that's that first quadrant is the anxious money classroom. And this is where it's verbally closed. So money's not talked about, but it's emotionally stressed. So if you grew up in this classroom, you knew that there was problems around money. Not necessarily, again, because what was said, but man, you felt the tension, whether it was toward the end of the month when bills were due. Or maybe you asked to, to buy something, you know, in middle school and you kind of got the back of and you're like, oh, OK, you know, you just felt it. And then classroom two is the unstable money classroom. And this is where it's verbally open, but emotionally stressed. So it's a stressful environment and it has been talked about. So conflict, fights, you heard it. Classroom three is the unaware money classroom. And this is where it's emotionally closed. I'm sorry, emotion, um, verbally closed, but emotionally calm. So if you grew up in this classroom, I always say that you kind of grew up with your head in the sands and you're probably someone that went off on your own and you realize, oh, wow, there's a lot to learn about money. And no one taught me. No one talked about it, but it wasn't a big deal. And it feels like a big deal, but it wasn't, you know, that's kind of that classroom three, the unaware. And then classroom four is the secure, which is the healthiest money classroom. And this is where it's verbally open and emotionally calm. So in this classroom, I mean, your parents could have had, or parents could have had $100 in the bank, or they could have had a a million. The amount didn't matter, but how it was handled speaks a lot. And if it was talked about. So that classroom four is really where I push my readers and their present day family and situations to go to that classroom four um, and and create that environment. But again, going back to, okay, no, I grew up in classroom two, or I grew up in classroom three to be able to point it out because you either mirror so much of how your parents handled money growing up. Or for people, they do the exact opposites. And they actually, you know, if your parents fought about money, then you're like, we're never going to talk about it because it's not worth it. You know, you pull back so much. So so understanding that is is a huge part of that blueprint of how you handle money today.
0: I love that. And I love that you hit on like, it's not anyone's fault what classroom you grew up in. Um, It's not necessarily your parents fault. They may have not been taught about money. So it's all about breaking that cycle and being like, okay, I want to live in that secure money classroom. And on this podcast, we talk so much about mental health and overcoming fear, overcoming anxiety, and really just highlighting people's stories to help encourage other people to do the exact same. For me personally, I spent three years of my life struggling with anxiety and I had like completed all the baby steps, um, bought my house, did everything. But then when I fell into depression, anxiety, I stepped off the stage. I quit touring. I quit doing everything and started working for AT&T and became the number one sales rep for them. And it Mm -hmm. looked on the outside that I was living the American dream, like the monetary value, all of that. But I was so depressed and I found myself going from a secure money classroom into the unaware and then just cycling downward. And that's why this conversation was so important to me. And this book really just hit home for me. It's like, okay, what if that Trevor that is 19, 18, 17, maybe even in middle school listens to this podcast and they're like, I want to get a grip on my money and they do it and they lead that successful life and they're able to raise their kids in a secure money classroom. Um, I want to help break that stigma of fear along Mm. with it, which you talk about the fear um, and the financial aspect in your book as well. So if someone's listening to this and maybe they're growing up in the unaware, the anxious classroom, and they're younger, or maybe they're even in their 50s, and they just want to break that cycle for themselves and lead by example, where should they start? What is kind of a general area that Rachel Cruz would recommend starting for their family, and even leading on to their legacy journey, like breaking that cycle and going towards that secure money classroom?
1: Yeah, well, you make some really great points, because money doesn't just fix everything. You know, and in your story, that's exactly it, right? You did the baby steps. But your heart, your emotions, everything was in a totally different place. And so that's something to realize is that, yeah, money, it, it's amazing. I feel like a lot of life's problems can masquerade themselves as money problems. So when people do struggle financially, they'll say, well, I can't budget, or I'm terrible at budgeting, or um, I never can seem to save. You know, it's not always just the money problem. What's that heart? What, what's going on underneath the surface that you need to get at first and foremost? Is it a contentment issue? Is that you're not organized because you actually are fearful around the details of your money and you don't want to know. You know, like there's there's so much of that emotion that drives our money decisions. And then on top of that, the money's not the answer. It is a big point of stress and a big point of tension. That's why I do my job every day. So I'm like, no, I want you to control your money. But at the end of the day, yes, I think you're exactly right. There's so much more going on. And so to be able to be a healthier person is going to help you be healthier in every part of your life, including your money. And so that's that's the key. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to write the book is to know yourself. You have to dig in to what's going on with you emotionally to be able to help change those money habits. So yeah, so if someone's listening and they think, okay, well, what do I do? Um, I mean, there, there's there's a lot. So I would say breaking it down and just starting one step at a time. So tactically, I would say just figure out where you are with your money. So kind of have like the state of the union. Figure out how much is in your checking account. Because I talk to a lot of people, they avoid even logging in. So they're checking out online. They don't even want to look at it because they're like, oh, I think there's enough, but I'd rather just live in the state of not knowing. No, you can't do that anymore. You have to live purposely. You have to know where you're starting to do that. I would say, figure out all the debt that you have. Write it out on a sheet of paper. And it's going to freak a lot of people out. They're like, oh gosh, no, no. But know where you're at. And I think that that's a great starting place for people. To, so from those numbers, you're going to be able to say, okay, what are my financial goals? Um, how can I start to save a thousand dollars? Where are things I can cut out of the, you know, looking at your checking account. What are things that I'm just buying because maybe I am stressed or maybe I'm sad or depressed and I just find myself going on Amazon or shopping all the time. You know, you start to see all these habits pin out when you look at your financial habits. So I would say that state of the union is really important. and, And I would say too, if you have a family just to start these conversations, and again, it doesn't have to be big, complicated money conversations, but but start talking about money and its place and value in your life. So even things like talking about contentment, talking about gratitude, generosity, you know, these, these conversations need to be had within a family. So whether it's spouse to spouse or with your kids, if you have kids, um, or if you are, you know, that 15, 16 year old, having someone in your life, whether it's a good friend or a mentor or a parent, just to start talking about that emotional side of money, I think is so, so crucial.
0: Yeah. And finances have a lot to do with people's mental health nowadays, especially as we're recording this right now. We're at what I hope and pray is the tail end of a pandemic. And everybody was kind of living on the stimulus checks and all of that good stuff. And it's like, for me, I launched my company in the middle of the pandemic and I had never like experience anything like it. Like it was a blessing. It was a breath uh, may sound weird for a pandemic, but it was a breath of fresh air. And it was the first time I really find my, found myself happy and living more of a financially free life. And it's just taking that leap. But what do you think people can do? Like if they're struggling with that anxiety and it's crippling them and they maybe they've been living off of unemployment for the past year and they've been relying on that, maybe they did something like buy a house off of that income. And I know a lot of people are anxious because they feel like the market's going to crash. I listened to an Instagram snippet of your dad talking about that the other day. He said, it's not going to crash. Like, not to worry about that. So not to get anybody's anxiety riled up or anything. (laughs) But from a mental health standpoint, your finances have so much to do with your mental health, whether it's depression or anxiety. And that feeds into how you're able to perform at work and everything else in between. So when... Bringing all that up to kind of segue into your first book, Love Your Life, Not Theirs. Um, one thing that you guys say a lot at Ramsey is when you go up to the bank and they're like, huh, that's a little bit bigger than my house. So kind of encouraging people not to get in debt. Maybe they're not in debt yet, or maybe they're $100,000 in debt. I don't know what each specific listener is going through, but what what are some alternatives to diving into debt? So if someone is like, oh, I need to get my credit score up. Like for me, um, I didn't necessarily follow the whole Ramsey method. I was like, I'm gonna get a credit card and get gas on it. And I paid it off at the end of the month. And that's how I built my credit. But um, obviously um, at Ramsey, it's you know, like, don't use credit cards. So I want to love and understand that method. So could you help me understand that? Maybe everyone else, like, why should they not use credit cards? Why should they not use debt at all, even as a tool? Um, and how could they purchase a home or anything like that without having the um, the credit score to back it up?
1: Yes. Well, some great questions. So I would say overall, my the way I look at debt, yes, is that people... I mean, I even look at just the statistics that the average 40% of Americans can't cover a $400 emergency in cash. 78% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. So you put all of these together and a pandemic hits. Yeah, the anxiety and the stress around money is going to skyrocket because you are out of control because you literally don't know, can I pay my bills? And so when those situations arise, you have to be able to ask yourself, okay, the way I've been doing money and what's brought me to this situation in this, this moment in time, if I keep doing those same habits and making those same choices, I'm going to keep getting the same result, right? That's the, that's the definition of insanity. You keep doing the same thing over and over again, but you expect a different result, which means you have to change. So if you're one of those people that has walked through money stress, whether it was because of the pandemic or not, and you look up, you're like, I don't like where I am. I don't like that. I am stressed about money. I don't like that. I have to wait on next week, next month's paycheck to be able to pay bills. I don't like that my car payment is is cr- crazy, and I'm looking at the interest, and it doesn't make sense anymore. And man, I, I wish I had more freedom. I wish I could sleep at night. Then that means you have to change what you've been doing. And debt is a big piece of that puzzle. We have normalized debt in our country; that debt has to be a part of your life. And it's a very sophisticated industry because they have convinced Americans that they have to have a credit score to live your life. So you use your credit score, and mathematically, in order to get a credit score, is you have to be in debt and constantly accumulating debt. And yes. Part of that score is paying on time and being responsible with it and all of that. But it's a score around debt. And you use that score to go into more debt. You use that score to go get a car loan. You use that score to go get a mortgage. And a mortgage, I will say, is the only type of debt we will not yell at you for. Um, <laughs> but it, with the parameters of it being a 15-year fixed rate mortgage and your payment is no more than 25% of your take-home pay. It's kind of that formula. in putting 10 to 20% down for your down payment. Um, But all of that, you can still get a mortgage today without a credit score using manual underwriting. And mortgage companies and banks still use this practice. They don't do it a lot because majority of people have a credit score. So they just pull the number and makes their job easy. But that manual underwriting, they're, they're forced to look at you, the person. So if you do not have a credit score, it's undetermined because you've not been using debt within 18 to 24 months, you will not have a credit score. It's gonna literally say undetermined. And so they have to go and look at you, the person. So they have to say, you've been current on a job um, for eighteen to twenty four months um, that that you have a reliable employer, basically, and then number two that you're current on all of your bills, so everything from cable, um, cell phone, electricity, you have to show proof of that. So all of these things together, you can still get a mortgage today without that credit score. And I just find people living their lives in this almost this rat wheel of just like, oh yeah, well, um, you know i'm I, I'm always gonna have a car loan or credit card. I, I use it you know for my points. Uh, get my free airline miles. And what people don't realize is when you use debt you end up spending more on a credit card specifically it's anywhere from 8 to 12% you spend more because emotionally you're not using your money. When you swipe a debit card or you use cash, you know money is leaving. Like current money in the present is going to be gone. With a credit card it's so delayed that your emotions will catch up to it. So you're like, "Uh, eh, yeah, I'll add on another, you know, sweater or two on this purchase or" If you're out to dinner, like oh, I'll take the appetizers, just put them on my bill. No big deal, you know. Like there's just this level of detachment emotionally to your money, and so that's one thing you have to realize. And then for me too, you know, the credit cards. I was just talking to a friend about this like three days ago. And again, my conviction, but it is what it is. That I'm like, in order to get those airline miles or to get those points, the banks, the credit card companies are not these generous entities that are like, oh, you're such a great person. I'm going to just give this to you out of the goodness of my heart. No, it's because they're making a crap ton of money off of people that are not paying off their credit cards and are paying interest and late fees. They make so much money off of people mismanaging their money that you then get to benefit off of the points in the airline miles. So to me, I'm like, it's a whole thing. I'm like, I just don't want a part of it. I'm good buying my Southwest airline ticket that I did last week for $72 from Nashville to Fort Lauderdale.
0: Come on. I'm going
1: to just pay for it. Do you know what I mean? Versus depending upon this industry that I just think is kind of gross and slimy, to be honest with you. So that's, that's kind of my philosophy around debt in general. And there's just So That's kind of the, it's a little bit of more of the tactical math side of it. But there's that emotional piece that is so huge. When you don't owe anyone anything, when you have no debt, no car payments, no student loans, no credit card bills, like you have nothing you suddenly, number one, can sleep at night. Number two, options are available to you. And if you're in a job you hate, you have to stay in that job to make that income to pay your bills. But when you have no bills and you got to just pay for cable and electricity and, and a mortgage, that's it. And you're like, wow, thousands of dollars I get to keep of my income. I may could go take a job that pays a little bit less, but I'm so much more happy You know, in, in that type of environment or industry. So it just opens up this, world of not just the math that it opens up, which it does huge, um, burst. And it also opens up that emotional peace that comes with not owing anyone anything.
0: Yeah. And it's so crucial, especially like for me being, um, not at this current moment being in high school, but when I was in high school, like having the knowledge and resources from the solutions that you guys provide, like Uh, I read The Legacy Journey uh, before I graduated high school, uh, Financial Peace University, um, and really just walked through it. But then I also relapsed into debt and everything. So like now I have this perspective of, okay, I did it. I knew what was right, but I still lapsed into the cycle, the rat race that uh, a great percentage of people actually still fall into. So for that person that has either just graduated high school or graduated college, they are either about to dive into student debt or they're digging their way out of student debt. Um, that's something that you're very knowledgeable on. And especially with your YouTube channel and your Instagram, you put out all these tips on how to save money, um, what SUVs to buy that are cheap. Um uh, how to save money on your grocery list like you have all of these resources readily available so when people say i just don't know enough about money to save money it's like oh well that's not going to work anymore because now you know to go to rachel's instagram and youtube and find all this stuff because there's countless resources that are there for free you don't like not uh, pulling the plug on the book or anything you don't have to go pay for the book if you want to learn some basic necessities go find these resources available. And then once you find the value in it, you're like, oh, this is amazing. It was free. Then you go invest in it because when you go invest in someone's book, before your team sent the book, I'd already purchased it. I saw it. I was Mm -hmm. like, you know, I learned so much from the past books. I'm going to go buy this one. And when you see that value, that investment, you start to see what it does to your brain, what it does to your mind. And for me as a mental health advocate, as a talk show host, as whatever you know me from, I have this philosophy that like, I would rather be making $40,000 a year and not be like super stressed all the time. Would I, is that my ideal scenario? No, like I'd like to be able to put money away and build that legacy journey for then my kids to come through and hopefully be able to raise kids like they've raised you because obviously you did a good job. But now you're a mother, you're raising your own children. Um, Is there anything that you're doing very different that your parents may have either done or not done with you, not to throw them under the bus, but nobody's perfect. And I want to show the hu- yeah. the human side of it. Um, what are you doing with your kids that are a little bit different? And what would you tell your high school student right now, which you don't have one yet, I don't think, but for the people that are listening, what would you tell them? Hey, I this is what I went through as a child. These are some of the things I experienced. I don't want you to do that same thing. Here are seven baby steps or here is... A method that I would start doing immediately to make sure that you don't have to go through these things that my family had to go through.
1: Yes. Um, Well, I would say, first off, that student graduating from high school and going to college, just to know the truth that there's a way to go to school without student loans, going to community college, staying in state, scholarships and grants, and working. Those things, it's a lot of hard work on the front end, um, but it is still doable. You may not go to your dream school and all of that, but you're still going to get the degree. And most employers, majority of employers, they don't care where you went to school. The fact that you went, maybe for a certain sector of the economy, you're like, oh, great, that's perfect. That's what I need to know. But just trust me, there is so much regret around education. So be smart about it and pay your way through. And then those graduate that have graduated with loans or those listening that still have their student loans or any type of debt, we always teach to pay off debt smallest amount to largest amount, regardless of the interest rate. Pay minimum payments on everything and then pay off that smallest debt first. So that's really the way to work out of 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 debt. And so for me too, with my with my kids, you know, I'm really I have a six, three, and one year old. So really the six-year-old's the one that is starting to really grasp what's going on. But she'll work and we pay her. We're like, yeah, if you clean up the playroom, I'll gift you a dollar. Or if you help mom over here, we'll pay you. Not everything you do around the house, you're gonna get paid for, but enough of these lessons where they learn that money comes from work. And money doesn't come from mom and dad's back pockets. And then what she earns money to teach her to give, save, and spend. It's those three things. And so you know, that's kind of the baseline of teaching kids about money. And that's something my parents did for me, which I was so thankful for. Um, but I would say, yeah, where mom and dad um, didn't really probably even think about it because they were still trying to climb out of their own hole financially and stress and working extra and all of that. But it is more that emotional side. So like this book, Know Yourself, Know Your Money, it dives into stuff that we've never really talked about at Ramsey Solutions. Um, on the emotional side of money and really going there. And I think going there with my kids early, I just want them to have a grasp that their identity and their worth is not found in the dollar amount in their checking accounts or the stuff that they have. And we just live in a world where that, that's what it is. Like you are gauged by the person you are, by what you're wearing, what you drive, what kind of house you live in. I mean, it is so outwardly focused. And to really push for my kids to know that stuff is not bad but our stuff cannot have us. It's okay to have nice stuff. Don't let nice stuff have you. And it can have you by debt and it can have you by your identity. And so those, those crucial lessons that they're going to have to learn on their own as well. It's not just me teaching them. They're really going to have to have heart change as they grow up. But I want that to be a normal conversation of contentment, of generosity, of um, just what it looks like that our stuff does not own us. And I think there's that emotional piece that is so crucial that and mom and dad taught us a little bit later in life, I feel like, um, but I want to ingrain that into my kids so early. I'm like, they're growing up in in, in America, you know, in 2021, and I'm like, oh, Instagram and Facebook, you know, the social media is just everywhere. And they're just going to compare and see a lot of stuff that I didn't have to when I was, you know, when I was in high school, for instance. So, so that's a big part of, of what I want to help my kids with as well.
0: I love that so much. And as we come to a close on this, I just want to encourage everyone that is listening or watching on the YouTube page now, go pick up, know yourself, know your money, but also go check out Love Your Life, Not Theirs. I personally love the Audible production on that. I'm actually listening as I'm reading this book right now on Audible. Um, And I never really go into like plugging everything, but I feel like I have to (laughs) on this like as a due diligence. Uh, Go get The Legacy Journey by Dave Ramsey, Smart Money, Smart Kids by Rachel Cruz and Dave Ramsey. If you can't afford it right now, DM me, I'll send you a copy. Every time I go into a thrift store, Goodwill, I pick up all of the, I'm dead serious. (laughs) Like I will go looking for the financial books from um, your amazing organization and I'll send them out. Like if people can't afford it, we have that for you um but thank you so much for coming on and if you're listening to this you are probably like okay you had Chris Brown on last week we've got Rachel Cruz this week why are you talking so much about money I feel convicted that a huge step in mental health and overcoming that especially in a pandemic is being open about the things that trigger you so one thing that I found personally that triggers me in my life in mental health and depression anxiety has been from financial stress so we're going to have these conversations with you more often we're going to bring you content revolving around financial aspects and how to do best practices with your money i'm no expert but god's given us a platform to bring these experts on including rachel um and i just want to thank you for tuning in and staying true with us and rachel thank you so much for coming on we're going to put all the links for uh, both books or every billion book uh, that you've ever put on go follow rachel at rachel Cruz on instagram the rachel Cruz show over at Ramsey solutions on your podcast as well as going to the youtube channel so rachel thank you so much for taking time out of your day to do this conversation with us
1: absolutely well thanks for having me on i really really appreciate it
0: definitely thank you so much and i love you guys Be sure to stay tuned, subscribe, and we will talk to you guys next week.
1: Hello, my name is Rachel Carmen, and I want to invite you to come over and listen to my podcast. It's called Real Refreshment. For years and years as a young mother, I chased after the wind, thinking that the world could offer me the refreshment I longed for. But it was only when I discovered it in the person of Jesus Christ that I really found refreshment. Come on over and join me as we dig into Bible study. I'll see you there.